Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Open your Bibles. Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to jump straight into it and see what God has for us. Let's, uh, let's read this. It's going to come up on the screen. I'm just going to read these few verses. Chapter 4 from verse 10 to verse 13. And I'm reading from the New King James. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can look on the screen with us. And this is Paul. And he says, But I, say, but I, rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now, at last, your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked the opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be Content. That's good, isn't it? I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. Everywhere, in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13, we like this, don't we? I can, say it with me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you believe that? Let's pray. Can we pray? Lord, I thank you for this word. God, I thank you that your word is powerful. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would um, come and that you would bypass a a message and a person and a sermon and that you would do something that, that I can't do, that you would do something that only you can do through your word, that you would bring to us things in our life that perhaps we need to work on. God, we're not here because we know it all. It's quite the opposite. We're here because we do need you and we need direction from you. And we pray for the LA Lakers right now that you would anoint them for victory. And we ask for forgiveness for last night. For those of you that watched the game and we pray for a greater anointing upon LeBron James in the name of Jesus Christ. And all those believing for that said, Amen. All the religious people just left the church. These verses that we just read in Philippians um, are so powerful. Again, they're powerful, similar to the words that we read in Psalms last week. Remember, as we looked at what David wrote in Psalms, that while we looked at verses that we know so well, Verses like Psalm 34, verse 8, taste and see that God is good, that we know so well and we can quote so well. We looked at them filtered through the context of David's situation and we saw they're even more powerful than we thought they were. And we're going to do a similar thing again this morning. That while we look at these these words that Paul has written and we're encouraged by them, and again, some of these verses are quite familiar to us. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's a verse that we'll shout even at an early service on a Sunday because it stirs our heart and it stirs our faith. But again, I want to look at it from the context of where Paul is at this moment in time that Paul is not on a mountaintop, things are not going great. He's not incredibly blessed in the natural, it's quite the opposite. Paul 
is in a prison. Paul is in a down and out, desperate, bad situation. Not only that, but this is not the first time Paul has been here. How many know that when you take one hit, you can keep your faith? When you take two hits, you can still hang on. Three hits, maybe, maybe. But when you've taken four, five, six hits day after day, like what Paul has gone through at this point, when your own people have turned on you, when they're trying to kill you, when you've been shipwrecked, when you've been beaten with rods, when you've been stoned, when you're physically tired, sick. Paul talks about just not getting enough sleep. Sometimes we'll cuss out 30 people before we get to work just because we didn't get a good night's sleep. Paul throughout Scripture talks about being physically weary. This dude is broke down in this moment. Paul's going through it. Paul's up against it. Paul is in a bad, difficult, overwhelming situation. But I love what Paul begins by saying in these verses. He says, but I rejoiced in the Lord. But I, Paul right now in this situation could have started these verses with not but I, but he could have started with, but they. That's how we want to start sentences often when we're going through something, don't we? No one wants to not. All right, it's going to be one of those services. Listen, how, how often when we're going through something, so often we don't want to take ownership of our own attitude during it. We want to point the finger at someone else and not begin with but I, but we want to begin with but they. God, but they did this to me. God, but they wrote this on my Instagram. I cannot believe someone would say that to me. But my boss is treating me like this. But my neighbour is saying this. But my spouse is doing this. But my finances look like this. But the kids are acting this way. But my future looks uncertain. What I love about Paul is he doesn't begin the sentence with but anything else. He says, but I. There's something we can learn from this, especially in this day and age that wants to continually point the finger at everybody else and blame everybody else for our present circumstances, that there's a lack of people nowadays that want to take responsibility and ownership over their own attitude during times of trial. That is this victim mindset that we find ourselves in so often where we're continually blaming everybody else and every circumstance we can find under the sun to justify having a bad attitude when sometimes we just need to take responsibility and say, despite bad things going on around me, but I'm going to have a good attitude. Despite what other people say, despite what's going on in my life and in my situation, Paul says, you know what? He says, but I, and look at this, this annoys me because Paul takes this attitude, not of, but I'm going to hang in there. 
and endure. That would make sense, wouldn't it? That, that would make, come on, the dude's in prison, right? That would make sense. But I'm, but I'm going to hang, and we could preach that, and that would be good. But hang in, come on, hang in there. It's going to be okay. Just keep your head up, Paul. Paul doesn't do, Paul goes, goes to the extreme. Paul says, but I, I'm going to rejoice. That, 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 the reason why that annoys me is I want to sort of pull Paul aside a little bit. I want to give Paul a little, I want to pull Paul for a moment out of this spiritual delusionment he seems to be living in in this moment and remind him where he is. I want to pull Paul when I read this, but I rejoiced in the Lord. It's at that moment, I'm like, Paul, come, bro, come on, listen, hey, I get it. It's nice, but come, come here, bring it in. It's me, Paul, let's talk. It's bad, isn't it? It's, I just want Paul in that moment. I want Paul just to acknowledge for a second how bad it is. I want Paul just for this moment. He's going through all of these things. He says, but I rejoiced. Hang on, Paul. Are you not seeing where you are? Paul, you, you, you're not just hanging in there. You're rejoicing. How are you? Are you missing something here? Are you not aware of the situation? Are you not seeing what's going on around you? How is Paul, while he's going through these difficult circumstances, how is Paul, while he's being unfairly treated? It's one thing to go through circumstances that we brought upon ourselves and that we deserve. It's another thing to go through circumstances that you don't deserve. When you've been faithful, when you've been a tither, but you're in lack. Because we, we don't want to talk about this stuff in church because it doesn't get that many shouts. But, but sometimes it's the reality of what's going on in our mind that sometimes when we're in faith and we're believing and we're declaring and we don't see results, we feel like we're in a situation that, hang on, I, I don't deserve this. I'm doing everything right. I'm, I'm, I'm praying, I'm, I'm believing, I'm declaring, but I'm in prison. This is Paul. And Paul says, but I, I rejoice. Then he goes on, he says, but I rejoice. And this is where it's powerful. How do you rejoice when you're in the middle of that? I rejoice, look at those next few words. Where does he rejoice? In the Lord. That I was looking at these verses from the context of Paul in prison. But Paul's looking at the situation in prison from the context of him being prison, but in the Lord. That that's how Paul is able to rejoice. Is while we see his situation as a prison, 
Paul's looking at his situation from a totally different perspective, saying, while my circumstances are looking bad, don't forget that I might be in prison in the natural, but I'm in the Lord in the Spirit. And my joy is not coming from my circumstances. My joy is coming from who my God is. And it doesn't matter what goes on around me because there's something inside of me that is greater than the circumstances that I'm going, that's going on around me. And that's the place in which I find my joy. And that's the place that I can rejoice in. Paul says, don't let the prison rattle you. Might be in prison, but I was in Christ before they put me in prison. And if I'm in Christ, when they put me in prison, Christ comes with me. So while you look at me, don't pity me in this moment. Pity yourself if you don't know Jesus, because you can be in a prison and have Jesus and still hold your peace and still have joy and still be able to declare and testify to the goodness of God. Because He's in, he says, He says, but I rejoiced in the Lord. Greatly, next level. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. I still keep reading it. And part of me still wants to simmer Paul down a little bit. You know those people that they say, I get it, but, but, but it's me. You know those people? They're like, it's me, you can tell me. You have those people, they come up, they want to pull you aside. I have people do it all, all the time. They say, hey, listen, Pastor Ben, listen. If you need someone that you want to be real with, you can be real with me. You know what I feel like doing? Is reminding them that God doesn't want me to be real. That God didn't hang on a cross so that I can be real and just acknowledge every bad thing going on around me. That sometimes I need to make a decision that not to be real, but to do what's right and just declare the goodness of God. And I'm not talking about, hear me, I'm not talking about living in this airy fairy world where we don't understand the reality of what's going on around us. But what I need is I need people around me that yes, will allow me to be real real for a moment, but then once that moment is over, they will grab me and point my attention to the goodness of my God and point my attention to His faithfulness and say, yes, you may be in a prison. Yes, you may have things going on around you, but your God is still with you. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you can care for me that your care for me has flourished again, though surely you did care for me once, but you lacked once the opportunity. What Paul's talking about is here is they say that, that a gift of some sort, the church that Paul was writing to, the people that God had saved through Paul's life, sent Paul his gift. Maybe it was some homemade cookies or maybe it was, I mean, I don't know, what do, what do they give prisoners back then? And Paul is saying, thank you for this. Not that I speak in regard to need. Listen to these words. Paul's in prison. Bro, you need a lot of things. You need help. 
You need food. We're not talking about a nice prison where you get three square meals a day and a little ice cream at night before dinner. We're, we're, after dinner, we're, we're talking about back in the day Bible prison. There's a lot of needs that Paul has. But Paul, he says, not that I speak in regard to need. I don't need nothing. I'm Paul, Paul's in prison, beat up, sick, Weary, and he's writing this letter saying, Guys, guys, hey, I'm good. I'm good. And he says this because I've learned in whatever state, this is powerful, church, if this will get in your spirit. Paul's saying, In whatever, say whatever. Look at someone that didn't say it, push him and say, Whatever. Whatever state, Paul said, I learnt, this is the, I'm going to preach this thing to myself and take my own notes and listen to the podcast myself. Paul says, whatever, say it again, whatever. I learned. You don't have to say the rest. He says, whatever I learned, I learned to be content. Do you know what content is? This will drive you insane if you're one of those people that likes to worry. The word content, it means to be calmly happy. You know those people? They're just calmly happy no matter what's going on. And sometimes you want to slap them and just remind them how bad life can be. Paul's saying, whatever goes on, whatever the enemy throws at me, Whatever might be going on in my life, however crazy the prison might be, however bad my health might be, however money I may not have, however bad my car might be, however crazy my kids might be, however hard the marriage might be. Paul says, I learned something, but I didn't learn it on a mountaintop. I learned it through walking through some things. Paul says, I've taken some hits in my life. And do you know what I learned every time I took a hit? Was I learned that every time the devil hits me, I don't have to stay down. I can actually take a hit in the natural, but in the Spirit declare that I am content because I know who my God is. And whatever comes my way, I'm going to be calmly happy because I serve a good God. I wish I had a few hundred people this morning that would dare to declare over your life that whatever the enemy tries to throw your way, you can give your God praise because you know He's bigger. Whatever, whatever. Till someone's not saying it, say whatever. So anything that the enemy throws at you, just say this, it's whatever. Whatever. Do that at the end of it. This this feels good. It's whatever. Devil, you're trying to attack my finance? Whatever. You're trying to come after my marriage? It's it's whatever. What it takes the weapons out of the enemy's hands. It's whatever. It's whatever. He can't touch you. It's whatever. I'm gonna be calmly happy. Whatever. Tell someone whatever. Whatever. Say it with some attitude. Say whatever. Say it like you don't care. Whatever. Say it like you're going to walk out of here and the next time the devil comes at you with something, you're going to look at him and say, whatever. 
Are you for real? Is that your best shot? Is that the best you've got out of all hell that you came up with that measly little attack on my life? Out of all those mangy demons you have, you gathered them together and the best thing you can do is try and come after my kids and my family. Whatever, I'm going to be content in who my God is. I'm going to declare the goodness of God over my life. Whatever, devil, you got nothing on my God. Whatever, you got beat on the cross. Whatever, whatever. I'm a child of God, born and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Whatever, who do you think you are? Tell someone, whatever, it's whatever, it's whatever. Don't worry, don't worry about it. Quit giving the enemy's attack all your focus and all your prayer and all your praise. Start to just lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Start to declare, it's whatever, it's whatever. It's whatever. That just feels good to say, doesn't it? It's whatever. Whatever. Content, con- contentment is a powerful thing in our walk with God. Knowing what it is to be, to be content. Knowing what it is to... I'm not talking... There's a difference. See, we often don't preach upon... Uh, on, what it is to be content because we can confuse contentment with complacency. Complacency is refusing to move forward. But contentment is being happy in the moment that you're in. One of the most powerful things in your life when it comes to overcoming obstacles that you're walking through is knowing what it is to be at a place of absolute contentment when you look at the things that God has done. Yes, you're believing for God to do more. But I think so often we are so quick to believe and declare and focus upon what we want God to do tomorrow that we miss what it is to be content in what God has done today. That we need to understand that there is a, it's, it's a spirit of gratitude. Saying, God, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. That's what Paul was doing. Paul is sitting in this prison as he's remembering back all of the shipwrecks that he survived and the people that tried to kill him and the beatings that he came out of and he didn't die and he was still there and he was still breathing. And yes, there were things around him that he wanted to change, but those things were not able to touch his, his faith because he was at a place of contentment, a place of gratitude. That says, whatever the enemy tries, I'm going to live in this place of recognising the hand of God upon my life thus far. Sometimes it's looking back. David said it like this in Psalm 119 and verse 65. David begins his psalm and he says this. He says, you have dealt well with your servant. This interpretation, it, it, it means David's beginning the psalm and he's saying before he, before he gets on with everything else, He's saying, God, you've been good to me. And, and sometimes we're, we're, so, we're so quick to believe for and, and we need to and we need to pray and we need to believe for great things are ahead of us. But sometimes we cannot step over the great things that God has done to get us to this point right now. And the great things that God is doing right now, we forget these things. David's saying, before I get to everything I want to pray for and before I get to everything I'm believing for, I just want to take a moment and just declare, God, you've been good to me. Your hand's been upon my life. 
It's a powerful thing. What it does is, it, it bring out that, that prop that guys are gonna bring out. What it does is when we make that decision to say, you know what? Yes, there are things that I'm believing for in my life. But right now, what I wanna do is I wanna take a moment and I wanna have a look at, this is, this is what we do. This is, this is what a spirit of gratitude will do. Because sometimes we get stuck. Sometimes we get so stuck in where we are. And we sit so focused upon what's going on around us. And, we, and we're looking at where we wanna be and we're looking at the obstacles that are in front of us. And our prayer life and our praise and our Word, everything is focused upon what we want God to do. But what I'm saying, and I believe what David is saying through these verses when he starts off by saying, before I get to all of this stuff, I just wanna say, God, You've been good to me. While it sounds like just a little beginning, of a few verses as a little introduction is more powerful than that. It's a spirit of gratitude because when you start to have gratitude and contentment and you start to praise God and give God gratitude and thanksgiving for what He's done, it's like this. You're in a situation that you're stuck in and you're focused on. But when you look back at everything that God has done in your life, this is what it's like in the spirit. And, you, and you're praying and you're thinking, man, God, I need a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough in my finances. God, I need you to do something. And then this spirit of gratitude will come upon you. And all of a sudden you'll look and say, man, remember that time? Remember that time? Yes, I need some stuff here. But remember five years ago when I was, I was like this? Now, now I can see it. I couldn't see it down there before because I was so surrounded with my needs and, and what I was believing for. But now this spirit of gratitude has come upon me. Now I look back and I think, man, I, rem I remember that. I remember those tears and I don't know how you did it. And then you know what? That's right, that's right. There was that other time as well. Remember that? Yes, there's things we're believing for in our family. And yes, there's things I know we need to happen with the kids. And yes, but some maybe what you need to do is grab your spouse and say, let's for a moment, let's talk about what God did. Remember that? And your spouse will remember something else and they'll say, remember, remember that? I'm about to hit the roof. Remember, remember when God came through back then? Remember, remember when we were freaking out? Remember, we were cussing each other out and throwing things and getting crazy and we didn't know how God was gonna do it. I still to this day don't even know how God got us out of that. But somehow we are where we are and we're not back there anymore and we didn't fall apart and the kids didn't leave and we didn't get a divorce and we were somehow able to pay the bill. Remember when God did it and you know what happens? This is what a spirit of gratitude does. I would keep climbing if I wasn't afraid I was gonna fall on my head. <laughs> and what it does is, as we look at, man, God's been good to me. And I remember when I didn't know how it was gonna work out and God, you somehow worked that out. I don't know how you did it, but you did it. And then watch what happens. Now, when it comes to what you're believing for, as you turn, I've gotta do it careful. 
after operating in a spirit of gratitude. Look at the perspective shift that you now have. That what you used to be eyeballing, you're now looking over. And now because you walked in a spirit of gratitude, now you're looking down upon those things that used to consume you and used to speak fear over you and used to bring doubt into your life from a perspective of gratitude. You look at these things from a place of victory and say, was that the thing that I've been worried about all this time? If God did that, then God can take care of this. And I'm gonna declare the goodness of God in my life and in my future. And I'm coming at it from, remember, a new point of you in my life. It's a spirit. It's a spirit of gratitude. Learning what it is to, in the moment, just stop and say, man, God has blessed us. God has, God has blessed my life. Yes, there's things I'm believing for. But this is the key and David gives it to us here. And I'm going to come to a close in a minute. 119 verse 65, this is it. You, you, you've dwelt well, Lord. You've been good. But look at these words he says. And, 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 and we can miss this so quickly, but this is a fundamental key to a spirit of gratitude. You've been good to me, God. You have dwelt well, look at this, with your Servant. That's powerful. Because too often we approach God like He owes us something. And it will stop us from being grateful for the things that God has done. David is positioning himself, seeing himself in the position, and rightly so, as a servant. We, we, we have this idea of God as being like a genie in a bottle that if I do the right things and He's going to appear and give me what I want like I'm His master, we forget what salvation is. Salvation is surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. It will rob you of being able to operate in a spirit of gratitude. If you just think that God has to come and do things. No, 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 that's not how it works. Our lives are surrendered. Paul said, I take up my cross daily. God doesn't owe me a single thing. He doesn't owe me nothing. And anything that He does for me is a blessing. And I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful every day that I wake up and I'm not addicted anymore. I'm grateful every day that I've got a heart beating in my chest. I'm grateful every day for my wife, for my children, for my family. I'm grateful for where we live. I'm grateful for the friends that we have. I'm grateful, church. It's a, it's a spirit of gratitude. But if we don't see ourselves humbly, We'll walk into church and get caught up thinking God owes us something. He, hang on, He did it all on the cross. It's not about God doing something else in your life. Because if it was about God doing something else in your life, then that would mean He didn't quite do it all on the cross. 
It's about us positioning ourselves. It's not about me trying to move Him. It's about me needing to move to where the breakthrough already is. And I can do it through a spirit of gratitude. And he says this, and lastly, the keys can come. David says, you dwell well with your servant, O Lord. Look at this. According to what? According to your Word. One of the things that will stop us from being able to operate in a spirit of gratitude is when we think that God has to do things according to our plans. That's where people can get bitter with God because they think that God has to do things according to our plans, according to our our will. But we forget His plans, His ways are not our ways. He doesn't do things according to our timetable. He does things according to His Word. That it's His Word that I stand upon. It's not my feelings. It's not my feelings. Because if we just stand upon our feelings... I can only give God praise and I'm only thankful for things God has done when I feel good. See how surface our Christianity can get when we live like that. But if I understand that God has been good in my life, not according to my feelings and not according to my plans, but He's been good in my life according to His Word, then even though I don't perhaps at times feel blessed, I can stand upon His Word that says that I am blessed and I can give God praise and be grateful for that and thankful for that, not because I feel it and not because I see it, because faith is not a feeling and it doesn't operate by what I see. It is based upon the Word of God. And when I declare the goodness of God based upon His Word, that spirit of gratitude comes upon me he's knowing what it is he's saying God God I'm I'm, I'm, I'm grateful David understood this that's why he said I enter your gates with thanksgiving notice that gratefulness is the precursor to praise Praise, praise gets you in, the, in a court, but gratefulness gets you in the gate. That's why when we start and we start our prayer and time with God, it's so important that you start by saying, God, man, I'm so thankful. Start climbing the ladder. Because if you start by climbing the ladder, It'll change your perspective on everything else you pray for. And you won't no longer be praying for victory. You'll be praying from victory because you've got a revelation of who your God is, how good He's been, and that His faithfulness is going to continue to endure forever. Why don't you give Him praise if you declare it over your life that your God has been faithful. He's gonna keep being faithful. He will not let you down. He's guiding you. He's directing 
distracting you and anything the enemy tries to bring your way to hold you back is simply whatever. Stand real quickly right across this room. We didn't get to the rest of it, but that's okay. I know how to be a base. I know what it is to have a little. Paul says, and I know what it is to have a lot. What he's saying is, when I have a little, when I have a lot, I'm going to be content either way. Again, if I can say the words of MC Hammer, you can't touch this. Because no matter what the enemy throws at me, it's, it's whatever. I'm content. You can't touch me, devil. I feel free. I feel free myself this morning. Everywhere and in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. Picture Paul sitting in that prison, writing this down. And then he says this, after we've looked at all of these things, see how this, he is so empowered by the spirit of gratitude that comes upon him. And then he writes one of the most powerful verses in Scripture. I can do all things. You can't touch me, devil. I can do all things. Not through my situation, but through Christ who gives me strength. Listen, you need to hear one thing if you're walking out of here this morning and missed everything else. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. Not in your effort, not in your energy, not because your situation says you can, not because you've got enough finances, not because everything's running smoothly in your life, not because it's all working out the way you thought it was going to work out. You can do it because your strength does not come from those things going on around you. Your strength comes from who your God is and it's Him that gives you strength. Why don't you give Him Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.